Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. This is America. We don't share land here. Follow me. All right, welcome to the guest portion of the show. On today's show, it's William Higgle talking about subject to sales today. William, welcome to the show. Did I say your name right there? <laughs> oh, it's it's Tingle, like the sensation. Hey, I can remember that. I I, I am the, I'm terrible with names, so excuse me there. Oh, that's cool. That's uh, no problem. I'm happy to remember my children's names. Uh, listen, I know what you mean. So this has been a new thing since the interest rates have really gone up. It's always been around, but this is the popularity has gone up with this. And this is the concept of the seller keeps the mortgage in their name, and then you take over the title of the property, but yet you're now paying the mortgage that's in the seller's name. So go with that. Let us know, well, how do we do this? How does it work? Where do you recommend that the deals can be done like this? Yeah. Well, well first, thanks so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um uh, my name is William Tingle. I've been a real estate investor since 1999. And uh, talking about subject two, when I got started, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew that I wanted to replace my job. To me, that meant cash flow. Um, what I found was even though I had good credit, not a lot of money, uh, but most banks will have a limit to the number of loans they'll give most people. So uh, back when I got started, that was, you know, 10, 12, 15 loans. After you got bought that many houses, they they would cut you off, so to speak. And what I determined early on was even if I could get four or $500 a month in cash flow, 10 or 15 houses just wouldn't be enough for the lifestyle I wanted to have. So I started looking for other things. And I was in, this was before Facebook and all this other social media. This was old days. So we had chat rooms and chat groups uh, where we, we you know, investors would get together and talk about real estate. And somebody mentioned buying property subject to. So I was all over that. What is that? How does it work? Well, really what subject to is, is exactly what you said. Most homeowners today, they go out, they beat their heads against the wall for a month or two, trying to get to the finish line and close on a house. And uh, that's how they, they buy a property. They got a fixed rate loan. Most of them, some of them get adjustables, but most of them are fixed rate for 30 years. And they just pay on that until they sell the house or refinance it at some point down the road. What we do is we come in and we find somebody that generally is in distress, doesn't always have to be, but people in foreclosure, maybe people that are getting divorces, they're getting job transfers, they need to sell quickly, they're under timelines. And we talk to them about buying their house, they deed the property to us, we take over the payments on the existing financing without a formal assumption, and we make those payments on that loan until either we pay it off or we refinance it. We can rent the house out. We can live in it. We can sell it with seller financing on a wrap. Just you can do with it what you, you could do if you had bought it yourself with your own lending power and, and borrowing power. So that's exactly what sub two is. Well, it sounds like the seller takes quite a bit of risk in a situation like that. Is that true? Well, it, it is it is a bit a bit of risk, um, and and for that reason, I said your most likely candidate is going to be somebody with a compelling reason to sell, 
and and generally, like right now, we're in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, most of our sellers that sell subject to come from people that are either in foreclosure or they're having a hard time affording the payments. Maybe they're not in foreclosure yet. They just really want to get it sold right away. So generally that's the case. Now over the years, and I've been doing this now for about 24 years, I have bought houses before from people who weren't in foreclosure. They just wanted to get rid of the house for whatever reason. That's where uh, building some degree of trust comes into play. Understanding what you do, being able to explain it in a really simple way and making the seller feel comfortable with you. And we've done that many times too. So now, they don't have to be desperate, but they are taking risk. If you fail to make the payments, their credit will suffer uh, for that. So it, it does carry a, a high degree of responsibility that you do right by the seller. Sure, sure, and that's and that's why we find that relationships gotta gotta meld together, right? I mean, if you're typically what I've found too is that people that are into real estate that are bad people, in other words, you don't do what you're supposed to do, or you're cheating, lying, stealing. You usually don't stay around for long. Uh, real estate is something that requires diligence, it requires consistency, uh, and those are usually traits that somebody's got a, a bad character. It's really hard to execute on time all the time. Um, so usually they're in and out. So, okay, so we've got. You know, it sounds a lot like maybe an elderly person would be a good fit for this too. That's maybe moving out into a different type of living situation. Uh, so that's good. Talk to me a little bit about the equity, right? A lot of the properties recently have gone up in price quite a bit, and we've got a hefty chunk of equity. What's how does that how is that dealt with? Well, you know, again, you're going back to the seller's motivation. I'll give you a really good example of that. We've got a house that we've got under contract to sell. Uh, we're actually supposed to close on it Thursday. Uh, we bought this house last month. Sellers were in foreclosure. They had a lot of things going on. They were in foreclosure. They were also in the middle of a divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, the husband had really bad health issues. They just, he, you know, he he was an alcoholic. I mean, there was just a lot of stuff going on in these people's lives. Now, they had owned the house for 22 years, uh, and the house today in excellent condition uh, is probably worth $250, $275. Now, the house needs work. It, it hasn't had a lot of maintenance done on it for the last 10 or 15 years, so it does need work. Uh, they walked away from the house. They had a couple of... Um, of state tax liens. They had a second mortgage they had defaulted on. Of course, the first mortgage was defaulted on. Uh, but so we bought, wound up buying that house for about $70,000, $75,000. We're selling it uh, this Thursday for, to a cash buyer for one eighty-five. dollars wow. Our sellers walked away from this house. So that's, you know, that'll be a six-figure payday. Will everybody do that? No. But, and I'll tell you this from experience. Uh, when you have things going on in your life, equity in a property can become way low on the list priority. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, some sellers want top dollar. Some just don't care. It, it it just really depends on the seller and their situation. What we do, we go in. I sat down with a seller at their kitchen table. I said, what do you guys need to get out of this house? They said, we just want it paid off. We want our liens to go away. If you can take care of that for us then then we're good with that. So that's what they wanted. We were happy to do that for them. 
Wow. Okay. So in that case, I think the answer was you, you try to find properties that, that that the equity is not a big player in there. So you don't have to come to the deal bringing 30, $40,000 above that. Now, how are you getting the bills? I mean, how, how do you get, uh, how do you, you know, obviously you're not letting the mortgage company know that you're now paying the bills. If you're thinking it's time to buy or sell a home in central Oklahoma, why not work with a broker you already know and trust? The Oklahoma Real Estate Show was created by real estate broker Landon Witt to help you succeed. It's an award-winning, full-service, licensed real estate brokerage and property management service serving central Oklahoma. You know that finding the right team in real estate is critical. The Oklahoma Real Estate Show is your boots on the ground with decades of combined experience and most of the team you already know and trust. What are you waiting for? Get started now at OklahomaRealEstateShow.com. That's OklahomaRealEstateShow.com. So how do you ensure that you're actually getting the bills? And if they change mortgage servicers, how do you know? Well, we don't we don't go out of our way to hide anything from the lender. Generally, what we do is, first of all, we take title in a trust. Now, I take title in a trust whether I buy for cash or subject to. That's not specific to sub two, but we take title in a trust. So the seller deeds their property to a trust that we control, and then we change the mailing address and in care of for all the mortgage statements and everything to our address in care of us. We also log in online and change the contact information to our cell phones and our address. And this will be the so you, those are the down to do the deal. You're talking to the seller. Hey, what's your username, password, all that kind of stuff. As right. Well. We collect we collect those things and, and also get an authorization to release from our seller that uh, that lets us talk to the bank about their situation. Uh, we get added as a third party individual to that mortgage so we can call the bank anytime and talk to them about whatever's going on. Nice. Are there any particular laws that you've run into that prohibit this kind of activity? Laws? Uh, well, no. I mean, there are no laws barring buying subject to. There's nothing out there that I'm aware of even today. Now, you know, it's really funny, especially this cycle. I've I've only been through a couple of real estate cycles. I got started in 1999. So of course I was around for 2007, but I think we're, we're heading into something else right now. Uh, and, and what I've seen this time around is everybody and their brother is an expert and a coach. And there's some really strange things being taught out there in seminar world uh, about what to do. I'm afraid that after this next cycle, we're going to see a lot of defaults. People made a lot of bad deals. They're paying way too much money. And they're taking over debt that they're not going to be able to cover. We may see some legislation uh, in the future. It wouldn't really surprise me. A lot like what they've done with with wholesaling. You know, a lot of states now require you to be a licensed agent to do it. To me, that's that's probably the most logical thing. You'll have to be a licensed agent to take over payments on property. That would be my expectation because you know agents are all the experts. They know everything. Uh. Oh, yeah. Well, well, uh, we have our own internal issues there. Are are you licensed? <laughs> I am not. I've never had a license. Okay. I've always been able now, to get you, things you done. Georgia, right? Is your is your home? You you I, most of your business in Georgia? You said I got started in Georgia. I'm currently in Northwest Arkansas. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma in 2021, they made wholesaling illegal without a license. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, the way that legislation was written was basically a bill without teeth. Um, It requires it, but it doesn't punish the, the channeling for punishing is really weird. You, you basically, you have to have a victim. You really, you have to right. have somebody that is, is that the, the crime has been done and they're pursuing justice, right? And mm-hmm. a right. lot of those wholesale situations, well, the victim is usually like you talk about, they've got a lot of other stuff going on than right. come after a wholesaler. So that's typically what we're seeing. Um, okay, so, I mean, we've got inventory that's super, super low. I do see that, you know, you, you mentioned some kind of next cycle and people defaulting. I see people defaulting to a degree because because they made bad deals, right? They 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 were assuming appreciation was going to continue forever, and they really were gambling, right? They weren't doing real estate deals; they were gambling. Uh, so I see those people, yeah, possibly going out of business. But there's still so much demand because there's not enough homes being built because regulation has ensured that no new homes will be built affordably. It's nearly impossible now to build affordable housing that actually makes any kind of money that anybody would want right. to do it other than some type yeah. of government organization, which is riddled with errors. So we really are in an interesting world. Okay. So I can hear our customers saying, but you didn't ask these questions. So what do you, let's, let's ask you this first. What is the most common pushback you get when presenting this option to a seller? Well, the first thing you have to know is this this isn't a solution for every seller. The first thing you want to do is have a conversation with the seller and and try to find out what their situation is, what they need to accomplish. Uh, I don't just throw a sub two offer out to every seller that I meet. That doesn't make a lot of sense. If somebody's got a free and clear property, then they're either going to be a cash deal or a seller finance. Find out what their situation is. Uh, pushback. I generally don't get much pushback because I don't just throw that offer out until I'm fairly certain it's going to be a solution to their problem. If someone calls me up and they go, hey, I heard your ad on the radio and I need to sell my house. I'll say, well, OK, Joe, tell me about your house. I want to get them talking about the property. And then I'm going to say, well, it sounds like a great place. Why are you selling it? Well, I'm having trouble making my payments. Really? Okay, so how much are your payments? And then they'll tell me. And I know immediately if this is something that would cash flow as a rental or if I can sell it with seller financing and cash flow. Really? Well, how much do you think you owe on the house? Okay. And then he says, well, I owe $80,000. Well, I know a house in that neighborhood is worth $150. Okay, Joe, so you owe $80. You can't afford your payments. Are your payments current? Well, no, I haven't made my last two. Okay, I know right away this guy's in trouble. His options are limited right now. He's in a hurry. So my next question is probably just going to be, okay, Joe, what do you need to get to get out of this property? It's a very similar conversation that I had with a fellow a couple of months ago. And he said, well, if I could get set a five, he said $5,000. His wife behind him said, we want seven. Uh, anyway, he said, if I can get $5,000, I would give it up. And I said, okay, well, tell you what, if I could give you 5,000, would you be okay with us taking over the payments? And he said, oh yeah. So there it is. Right. I didn't talk right. about subject yeah. to, and I offered him a solution was probably to the deposit to the new place or the, or the trailer right. on Craigslist, the path to his next step. Sure. Sure. Right. 
Okay. So I accomplished a couple of things there. I learned about his situation. I learned if a subject two was even viable for him and I asked him what he wanted. I was able to give him all those things. I solved his problem. He was happy and I was happy to buy a house. Uh, The actual numbers on this deal were we bought the house for $102,000 and we've got it under contract to sell next month to close. We're selling it for 185. Wow. So that's another really good deal. Right. Yeah. But he wanted $5,000. Right. Right. You, you, you have, you have not because you asked not. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, what could I have offered him? I'll, I'll give you another example. This isn't a sub two, but we had a lady call us. uh, I don't know. It's been two or three months ago now. And she had moved. She actually moved to Oklahoma from, from here, from spring, uh, Springdale. And uh, she bottom line on the house was she didn't want to have to drive over here and mow the grass. It was a little rental property. And, and I said, well, what have you got to have for this house? Because I knew it was worth about 200. I said, what have you got to have for this house? She said, well, I've got to tell you, I'm going to need 40,000. <laughs> right. And I knew right away just from talking to her and looking it up on Zillow and all that I could probably comfortably offer her 80 or $90,000 and would have been prepared to pay that for cash. Because this, she didn't know anything on the house, but instead of doing that, I said, "What do you need to get?" And right. she said, forty thousand. And I said, "I think I can do that." And right. I, so, and it's all it, about giving. Right. It's meeting the need, and you hear you hear that discussion right. uh, with the wholesaler uh, verbiage. You know, I've watched other Facebook reels and that kind of thing, and they do say that quite often. That is kind of the flag of of that that industry is like, hey you know, meet the need, right? Meet the need, you know, and they're helping people meet the need every day. Um, We kind of get, once we get licensed, we kind of get stuck in this sandwich of, uh, and this is what I tell our agents is, you know, whoever calls you first is who you're working for, right? So, you know, the buyer calls you and wants you to find properties when you're working for the buyer, right? If the seller calls you out to a property and wants your opinion, well, now you're working for the seller. So just as long as you got that part clear, uh, go on, have fun, do what you do best, but just know who you're working for. And as a wholesaler that's unlicensed, well, you're working for the best interest of your business. And that's, that's clear. And that's fair rights. That's why we tell the general public, like, look, you know, get multiple offers or whatever you want to do. And if they don't want to, well, mm-hmm. obviously, like you said, it's equity is not important to them. And that's perfectly legal right. to lose money, <laughs> you know, to leave money. Yeah, that's that's for table. sure. You know, yeah. it's not you know the important thing to, to remember. It. Yeah. The, the really important thing to remember about this business is it's rarely about the house. It's about the seller and what's going on in their life. Now, the house comes into play when you have to determine what you can afford to pay for it and it'd be profitable. Right. But the, in the initial analysis, it's about yeah. the seller. Well, and that's why I was going to say before rookies listening to this go out and head out to try to do these deals, remember that seller probably knows a lot more about that house than you do. And mm-hmm. There could be, as you've probably come across many times in your career, situations that are probably a lot more expensive than you think. So knowing that going into the deal, you know, the deals you talked about have very large margins. Uh, We're not always that fortunate. Some of the margins are pretty narrow where big mistakes like foundation or some type of plumbing leak in the slab and things like that can, can, can destroy a deal. And so we have to be careful remembering that yes, this desperate seller has a situation, probably a track record of making decisions that are poor, such as hiring the wrong handyman to fix electrical components and things that could damage 
damage the property. So I think once you've taken that into consideration, so as narrow as the margin gets, the more you got to be precise. This is not game. You want to gamble? We have plenty of casinos here. You can gamble at. Real estate should not be a gamble. There's a risk right. that you take, but not gambling. Gambling means if, if, if the, the day you buy the deal, you hope tomorrow it will be a good deal. No, we mm -hmm. do deals that today make sense. You mentioned cash flow. Today mm -hmm. they need to make sense, right? Or else you don't do right. the deal, right? Have you ever That's done right. a deal that doesn't make sense at all, and then you hope it'll make sense later? Have you ever done those deals? Uh, no, I'll tell you, and that's what my students will tell you. That's the main word we talk about in our coaching group, certainty. I'm not buying it if I don't know I'll make money. And, you know, it's just like these deals we talk about that have a $100,000 cushion. Uh, if my buyer says, hey, I want a termite letter, okay, I don't have to worry about sending the termite guy out because if he finds a problem, there's plenty of room there to cover it. If it were really tight and I, I only planned on making $10,000, there might be a problem. Sure. Well, I want to treasure your time in closing from your position right now with all the deals you're doing, all the people you're talking to, what's your prediction? I know this is crazy, but for let's say the next 24 months. Well, it, you know, it, a prediction is, it, gosh, I, you know, I broke my crystal ball a long time ago, so <laughs> I, I don't know how accurate this is going to be. What we see happening right now uh, is interest rates, Everybody says, well, rates are going to go down. Rates are going to go down. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to stay where they are or they may actually, they just went up again last week. Uh, so I don't think that relief is coming for any buyers. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see that problem. We're going to continue to see the market slow down a little more. The average, we just looked it up this morning uh, for a three bedroom, two bath in, in one of the towns we're in in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, is 70 days on market for a three-bedroom, two-bath. That's really high for right now when they used to just fly off the shelf. So I think it's going to continue to slow. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for creative finance. There's going to be a lot more foreclosures. We're already seeing them increase significantly where we are. Mm. Um, and I'll tell you, a lot of that equity that's there, I think uh, it, it's going to go away. Mm. You know, I think the prices are already declining. But but remember, you know, real estate is local. It really is. The same thing that's happening here may not be happening in, in New Orleans, Louisiana, or over in Oklahoma, where you are. It's all really local. So don't listen to all the stuff you see on the evening news. It, it, it doesn't necessarily reflect what's happening where you are. I think we're going to have a lot more opportunities for creative finance, though. Excellent. Well, how can folks get a hold of you? You mentioned you got a uh, training, some coaching going on. You got a, a website. What? How can they get plugged in with what you're doing over there? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, if they want to get exposed to a little of the training we do, they can visit uh, our YouTube channel. They can go to sub2tv.com. That's S-U-B, the number two, tv.com. Uh, we release videos every single day on creative finance, subject to, and, and all kind of real estate investing. And if they want to learn more about coaching, then go to sub2university.com. That's S-U-B, the number two, university.com. We've got a lot of training products and, and coaching stuff over there. William Hingle got it right that time. Hingle, that's right. Yeah. Real estate coach, experienced real estate coach with multiple decades of experience. Guys, 
Like he said before, it seems like everyone's coming out of the woodwork to be a real estate coach. Look at the track record. Look at somebody, how long they've been around, what they've been doing with their time before you go off and trust just what they're doing today. And seems like Williams really got the track record to prove. Uh, you can check him out, get connected with him. Uh, William, you sound like a really down-to-earth guy. I'm really impressed with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm not complicated because I'm I'm pretty simple. Uh, anyway, I you know I, I follow Frank Kern, and Frank Kern says if you want to impress people, make it sound complicated. If you want to help them, keep it simple. So that's what I try to do. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. You know how to get a hold of me via email if you got any questions. I would say Oklahoma City is secretly cool. Nobody knows it. <laughs> you know, even people who live here. Don't seem to know it, but no, it's starting. It's yeah, yeah, people are starting to re to recognize that they have a great city. I think uh, when we first moved here, it was it's a little challenging sometimes. Yeah, but... people who who lived here were asking us why did you move here? You know, when we moved from Atlanta, people mm -hmm. asked why? Yeah, why? Why? Why are you moving to Omaha? Yeah, that's what our friends yeah. would say. Why are Kansas City? Going? Why are you going to Kansas City? Like that wouldn't even register in their head. We're living in Atlanta. We had lived there about. 10 years, met, got married, had a child, and the there were a lot of things about Atlanta that we loved, you know, I mean, we really enjoyed our time in Atlanta and we miss a lot of things about it. It really had become so expensive and uh, difficult to get around and just all of the problems of living in a large metropolitan area seem to start to outweigh the benefits of living in a large metropolitan area and so we decided to find somewhere else to go. Oklahoma City especially just had a great feeling about it. We saw potential. Yeah. This was Atlanta um, 10 years ago when everything was just starting and, and how integrated arts is into the everyday culture and life of Oklahoma. I'm 75 years old. I had to get out of this trailer that was making me sick.